the following message entitled, God Going Public Through Spectacular Gifts, part four of the series, Encountering the Holy Spirit, was given by Joe Ryer on the 6th of May, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace Church, and uh, welcome to the church. Today is the last day for most of the college students who um, live other places and come here for the, the year during college. So um, when I pray in a moment, I want to pray for um, just all the IEP students. We have a number of seniors who are moving back home or going different places in the country to get jobs. So we just want to pray for you guys and just want you guys to know how much as a church we love having you in our church. We really do uh, thank God for you guys. And so I want to pray for you. So let's pray and then we'll get into Corinthians. Well, Father, thank you for um, just all that you've done already this morning. Thank you for just the truths and the songs that we sang. Thank you for the reminder of your love for us and taking communion. And Lord, we just thank you that you are a faithful God. And thank you for all the students who have come to our church this past year. Lord, I pray you would encourage and refresh every one of them. Lord, for those who are graduating, Lord, we pray that you would provide jobs and um, just direction if, they're, if they need direction. Lord, please, please help and encourage them. And Lord, help them to just keep their mind fixed on you and Lord, we pray that they would experience your peace and your joy um, as they think about the future. And Lord, we know that you are the good shepherd and you will lead and guide them. And Lord, help all the students to, to do well on finals this week, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for them. Lord, I pray you'd help me as I preach today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the fourth and final message on our series in the Holy Spirit, or on the Holy Spirit. Today's title is The Gifts of the Spirit, and it's uh, part two of what Mark began last week, God going public through, today's topic is the spectacular gifts, or the gifts that are more miraculous, or appear more miraculous, or maybe for some people, the stranger gifts that, that appear more bizarre. So we're going to wrestle through that as we go through 1 Corinthians today. In order to prepare us, I want to describe a real church to you that uh, has some real significant challenges. And as I describe this particular church, I want you to think about what you would do to help this particular church. So you got it? I'm going to describe a church. And as I'm describing it, I want you to think about that church and think, what would I do if they were asking me for help? Okay, you ready? You can just nod your head if you're ready. Okay, we've got some people that are ready. All right. So here's, here's the church. It's, a, it's made up of primarily new Christians. So they've probably all been Christians for a few years at the most. They, many of them were saved out of very immoral lives and have been rescued by Jesus and are very amazed by the grace of God. But because of their probably their background... They're still trying to figure out what is acceptable in, in terms of behavior to follow Jesus and what is not. One of the things that marks this church is they seem to have an incredible experience 
of the kinds of spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today. One of the challenges with this particular church is they are very proud to some degree about their experience of these gifts. So they speak in tongues, they prophesy, they do it a lot, they talk about it a lot, and they are proud about it a lot. So you're, you're going to answer the question, what would you do? And to be at the church service, it would be, probably for all of us, it would seem pretty crazy, pretty chaotic, pretty out of order, and uh, it would be confusing for some of us. But it might be entertaining as well. Now this church even has some challenges in the area of taking communion. In fact, at one of their services, people were getting drunk during communion. We didn't have that problem this morning, but this church had that problem. So the question is, what, what would you do? When I hear about a church like that, I think my impulse would be to shut, maybe shut the whole thing down. Or at least shut all the use of spiritual gifts down and bring some order to the church. Well, if you're familiar with the Bible, the church that I've just described is the church in Corinth. It's, it's the church that Paul is writing to in the letter um, to the Corinthians. It's a New Testament church that Paul the Apostle founded. And so this morning, as we talk about these gifts, one of the primary books of the Bible that speaks very clearly about these gifts is the book of Corinthians. And what's interesting, as Paul is trying to help this young church think through the spiritual gifts, his response is a lot different than probably what mine would be. His response is probably a lot different than what what you might think would be a good idea. He doesn't shut down the spiritual gifts. He actually encourages them to use the gifts more. But he brings order to it. He brings some instruction. But he wants them to enjoy and pursue spiritual gifts as well. So it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we're going to begin to look at these gifts. And what, what's happening in chapter 12 is the Corinthians wrote a list of questions in the form of a letter to the Apostle Paul. And 1 Corinthians, he is answering a number of their questions. So when he says in chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, what he's doing is he's responding to questions they ask. So maybe some of the more um, together members, the sober members of the church wrote, hey Paul, it's getting crazy here in Corinth. People are speaking in tongues, people are doing crazy stuff. We need some help. Well, Paul then responds in chapter 12. So look in your Bible, or on the screen, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And this morning's message is going to be more topical than expositional, but we're going to be hitting different passages in the Bible. Chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, there's great affection for him. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. So there might have been people at their meetings that were saying things like, Jesus is accursed. And he's saying, no one who has God's Spirit in them ever says things like that. But he continues, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. 
So if Jesus is your Lord, that's the Holy Spirit's doing. Now he's going to talk about spiritual gifts in verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And then verse 11, all these, all these gifts that he just described are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. If you were here last week, Mark began to talk about spiritual gifts. And he began to talk about what, what we may put um, in the category of ordinary spiritual gifts. Gifts like mercy and serving and administration. But his point was, one of the points he made is, all gifts of God's Spirit, from God's Spirit, are supernatural. So if someone who is skilled in administration and using those gifts to serve the church, that's a spiritual gift. And our church benefits from that particular gift. And so we wouldn't be having a fire drill right now if it wasn't for that gift. But all the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural. Now, some of the gifts of the Spirit are what, what I'm calling maybe more spectacular. They, they are harder to explain. They don't fit neatly into a box. And, and they, they are more of a surprising nature. And maybe they don't have a natural counterpart. And so this morning, my prayer for this message is that God would build our faith and stir us to experience and benefit from these more spectacular gifts. And so the main point of the message is, God the Holy Spirit continues to give spectacular gifts and works miracles among His people for the building up of the church. In other words, God the Holy Spirit didn't cease giving gifts such as tongues and prophecy and physical healings and miracles it didn't cease. The Holy Spirit still today gives those gifts, and He gives them to His people so we can be built up and encouraged. Now, one of the challenges with this subject is it is very, can be very polarizing. So depending on your background and our, our church's, church experience, when, when we think about the spiritual gifts, it can... It can do things in our mind very quickly. And we have a tendency, I know I can have a tendency, to land in a particular category or have a strong reaction immediately. So, we'll do a little test. I'm going to read a verse to you from 1 Corinthians and just think about your immediate reaction. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. Now I want you all 
to speak in tongues, but even more, to prophesy. Well, depending on your background, that verse could either make you nervous, could cause fear, could bring memories of a crazy meeting that someone took you to with a somewhat angry leader shaking a tambourine and screaming in a language that you couldn't understand. Or for some of you, it may bring to memory good experiences that you had when you experienced things like the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues. But one of the challenges with this subject, and one of the things I've noticed even in my own life, is so we can have a tendency to allow our experience to be our litmus test for these kind of gifts. So if you've had a positive experience, maybe you're more open to the spiritual gifts. If you've had a negative experience, maybe you think, well, these can't be for today because that meeting I went to, that had nothing to do with the Lord. Keep in mind the Corinthian church that I just described, and keep in mind Paul's encouraging that church to pursue these gifts. And so, my appeal to us, my, what I'd like us to do and consider is, let's wrestle through what the Bible says about these gifts. Let's let the Bible be our authority and not our experience. Because if you wrestle through the Bible, I think you're going to be persuaded that these gifts really are for today, and they're good. And they're for the good of the church. They're for the building up of the church. Now, does this mean that these gifts are like the real gifts and what Mark talked about last week are sort of like the secondary gifts? Not at all. God gives spiritual gifts to build up the church in all different forms. And so we don't want to put a certain gift way up here and another gift way down here, but we want to be open to all the gifts that God has. One of the quotes Mark shared last week was from Sam Storm, spiritual gifts are God going public among His people. So spiritual gifts, all spiritual gifts, are God, who is ever-present, going public among His people. So this morning, we're going to focus in on some of the more spectacular gifts. Gifts such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, physical healing. And we're going to work through different passages of the Bible. But if, if this is maybe new to you or, or you've had bad experiences with these kind of gifts, let me just ask you to hang in there and as we go through these passages, really consider what the Bible says about them. As I was preparing for this message, I read a book by Sam Storms on the spiritual gifts and one of the points he makes is you wouldn't throw out the gift of teaching just because there are false teachers. So we like the gift of teaching. You guys come every Sunday and listen to people who have the gift of teaching. So we wouldn't say, just because there are false teachers, let's shut out the gift. Well, it's the same way with spiritual gifts such as tongues, prophecy, physical healing. Just because they might be mishandled or abused at times doesn't mean we should throw them all out because we'd be missing blessings and gifts that the Lord has for us. So, point number one. The Holy Spirit continues to give spectacular gifts. The Holy Spirit has not ceased giving these gifts. And He wants us as a church to experience these gifts and benefit from the blessing of these kinds 
of gifts. Let me just read some Bible verses to you to, to just stir us that this really is something the Lord has for us today. Remember in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Jesus has ascended, the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Well, then the Holy Spirit is poured out, and Peter stands up and he quotes from Joel 2 to explain what's happening. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 through 19. Peter reads the following. He's trying to explain to people what they're seeing and experiencing. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy or speak words from God, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. What what Peter is doing, what, what, what Luke is recording is God the Holy Spirit is being poured out. It's one of the blessings of the new covenant. And so we should have an expectation as Christians in the new covenant that God the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. There's going to be visions. There's going to be dreams. There's going to be people that prophesy. Because that's one of the marks of the new covenant. That's one of the fulfillments of Joel 2. That the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it, it will force those of us who like things to fit in very neat theological categories. It will stretch us at times. Because when God does things like dreams and visions and prophecies, that might not all fit perfectly. And we're gonna, I'm going to build some fences and qualify what I'm saying and what I'm not saying as we go through each gift. So I'm asking you to just hang in there. But, but as you read the New Testament, it's hard to get past. There was an expectation that not only was the gospel central to everything, but when the church gathered, the Holy Spirit was just poured out. And people experienced the Holy Spirit. And people experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. Paul's writing, What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation of that tongue. Let all things be done for the building up. So Paul's just writing like this is normal Christianity for the, the, the Christians in Corinth. When you come together, oh, there might be a song that's brought to mind, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, a language that you do not know that you speak, and then somebody might have the ability to interpret that tongue as well. Well, they're all expressions of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul writes something very interesting in Galatians chapter 3. He says, he's talking about legalism and, and the fact that our faith is based on what Jesus has done alone and not our laws, not our works, not our law keeping. But he has this interesting phrase tucked in the middle. He says, he asks a question. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? His point is, God pours out a Spirit because Jesus lived for us and died for us and took our punishment and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven and then the Spirit was poured out. But he just kind of casually mentions 
hey, church in Galatia, you know when you have those miracles every Sunday and uh, these incredible things are happening? It's all because of your faith in Jesus. There was a, an expectation that God's Spirit was moving and was working in sometimes very spectacular ways. And there's just no evidence that those gifts stopped in the Galatian church or stopped in the Corinthian church or stopped in the other churches in the New Testament. So because of time, we can't go through all the gifts, but I wanted to focus on the three that I think maybe have some of the the most application for a church and some of the most misunderstanding at times for, for us as Christians. So let's start with the strangest one. Last week... Mark described, he said, some people describe the Holy Spirit as the the weird uncle. Well, if he's the weird uncle, we're going to talk about the weirdest thing the uncle might do in in giving the gift speaking in tongues. So we're going to get the strangest one out of the way. But we want to talk about it because it's in the Bible and it is a real gift that God gives to some people today. So flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Starting at verse 1. So Paul writes, Pursue love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And in context, he's primarily talking about the more spectacular kinds of spiritual gifts, because that's the kind of gifts they were asking him about. Especially that you may prophesy or speak words that come from God's Spirit. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. It edifies himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more, to prophesy. So here Paul is writing about the gift of tongues, or the gift of a language that God's Spirit gives to Christians that they do not understand, but it builds them up. And Sam Storms describes the gift of tongues as this. The gift of tongues is simply the Spirit-energized ability to pray, Worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or one you might have learned in school. So it's a gift from God that doesn't fit in our neat boxes at times. But it's a gift from God. And if you think about it, this is the God of the universe who created everything from speaking. He just spoke and All creation came into existence. This is the God who has no beginning. That's hard to get our minds around. So if this same Creator wants to bless His kids with a gift of speech that we can't understand but we can experience the benefit from, we should accept that. Because we we are a church that that believes in the authority of Scripture. And so Paul's saying, you know, I, I would... I want you to prophesy because that builds up the whole church. But I want you all to speak in tongues, he says in verse 5. Why does does Paul say that? Because he knows tongues can be a gift 
that God gives that encourages individual Christians. It builds them up. Now, if you read chapter 12 through 14, you'll see that Paul has some concerns about the gift too. He wants them to be done in order. He wants them to not speak in the gathered church, speak in tongues without an interpreter, because it's confusing. Because it doesn't help people. But he wants them to experience the gift of tongues because it builds up the church. Well, as a new Christian, I was at churches and meetings that believed in speaking in tongues and sometimes they were very strange meetings, sometimes they were more encouraging kinds of meetings. And I began to read chapters 12 through 14 and I remember just praying, God, if this is a gift that you would have me to experience, I want to experience it. I was a new Christian, and I just thought, anything that the Lord has for us that will help me as a Christian, I I want. And so I prayed, and I prayed a lot, and and nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. I watched other people doing weird things, saying weird things. Wow, something really seems to be happening in their life. Nothing in this area seems to be happening in my life. Well, then some time went by, and I was living on campus. I was working on campus as an RA. I was in charge of a floor of college students. We had a particularly hard weekend where some very significant sins occurred in the building. And so it was just weighing on me heavily. And I was a new Christian. I was saddened by sin and the effects it was having in other people. And so I just went for a jog and was, was praying and praising God. And I remember sitting down on a bench in the Oak Grove and just thanking God for my salvation. Jesus, thank you so much that you died for me. Thank you so much that you're at work. Thank you so much that you love to save sinners like me. And I said one more word, and then all of a sudden, I started speaking in a language that I did not know. And it's about 8 o'clock in the evening in the Oak Grove, and I'm just speaking in a language that, that I would say was the gift of tongues, that the Holy Spirit filled me, and I began to speak. And being a new Christian, my first thought was, how am I going to explain this to my mom and dad? I'll never be able to speak in English again. And they already were concerned that their son became a Christian. But then I realized, no, you know, it's not like that. We have control over gifts God has given us, so I can speak in English again. I was able to do that. But, but the effect was it built me up as a Christian. It strengthened me as a Christian. And so that was probably 14 years ago. And I still pray in tongues, and I still experience the benefit of being strengthened by this gift. It's one gift. God doesn't promise to give it to every Christian. But just like the gifts, we're to ask and just trust Him if He wants to give it. And so there have been times in my Christian life as, as a father, or as a husband, or as a pastor, where I just wasn't sure what to do. And so I would pray, and I would pray in tongues, and and the Lord would strengthen me. And so you might be thinking, man, I've been coming here for a while, and this may be my last Sunday because this is making me very uncomfortable. Here's the thing, we believe in the whole Bible, and so the Bible talks about this. So the reason maybe you haven't heard somebody speaking in tongues isn't because there aren't a number of people here who don't believe in the gift, but we also believe that, that it's to be done in order, and that public speaking in tongues on a Sunday morning should only occur if there's an interpretation, if there's somebody who has the gift of interpretation. That's where Paul says 
in, in verse, chapter 14, verse 5, he says, The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So what the gift of tongues is, it's a, it's a speech gift that God gives to strengthen individual Christians. And then the gift of interpretation is a gift that, that God may give for someone to understand what that person is saying. So Stephen and I were talking about this this morning. Stephen is one of our pastors. And he just, just told me about a situation where he was in the pastor's college a few years ago. And he just had just an impression from the Lord that he, he was to speak in tongues and someone was going to have the gift of interpretation. Now if you know Stephen... He would be the first to tell you that's not like a normal experience in his life. And, and so like, like, me, like myself, we've seen crazy things on television and just weird categories that, that don't fit. But he had this experience. And so he talked to one of the pastors who was in charge of the meeting, explained to him what was happening. And so he, he spoke the gift of tongues. And then another guy present who's also a pastor had the gift of interpretation. And, and it was praises to God that had the effect of encouraging everybody in the room who was present. Well, that, that's what Paul's talking about. So on a Sunday morning, the only way we, you would hear the gift of tongues um, happening is if somebody also had the interpretation of those tongues. Because if not, it just sounds like babbling. It's like going to China and not knowing Chinese. It just makes no sense to us. So it would, would be of no benefit. And that's why Paul says... I'd rather you prophesy because it benefits the whole church. So, you might be thinking, okay, well, I'll take a look at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And if it's a gift that God has, um, I'm desirous for it. So what do I do? I think all you do is ask God for the gift. Say, Lord, if this is something you want me to experience, I pray that you would give it to me. And then just watch Him work. See what Happens. You don't have to do anything weird. People don't have to yell at you. You don't have to go in weird rooms and dark places. You don't have to do any of that. You just ask the Lord, Lord, is this a gift you have for me? And then trust Him if He wants to give it to you. Now, one of the things that can often happen with these kind of gifts, if people can wrongly think, well, someone is more spiritual if they have one gift over another gift. And that is not true. And that is extremely harmful. So all Christians are spiritual because we all have the Holy Spirit in us. And so God gives gifts according to His sovereign will. He pours out gifts in varying degrees in proportion to what He thinks is best. But it has nothing to do with maturity of individual Christians. So let's say you ask God for the gift of tongues, you and your roommates, and your roommate just starts speaking in tongues and you don't. Well, one wrong way to interpret what happened there is, well, God must not love me as much as He loves so-and-so. No, be assured, God loves you because He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. That's your assurance of God's love. And then His wisdom, He's going to give us different gifts for our own benefit and for blessing in the entire church. And so we just want to trust Him. But you don't have to get confused. I've been at meetings where they just wrongly separate people into different groups that... These are the spiritual, these are the non-spiritual. That is not how the Bible describes us as Christians. When you were born again, you were made spiritually alive. God's Spirit 
is in you. So that's the gift of tongues. If you have questions about this, we would love to talk to you as your pastors to help you wrestle through this. But I think the starting place should be chapter 12 through 14 in 1 Corinthians. So let's get on to the, the next gift. The second gift is a gift that really displays God's power and mercy and compassion. And it is the gift of healing. So the second point is the Holy Spirit continues to give the gifts of healing. So we believe that God really does want to heal people in 2012. And that God really does heal people. Now do you remember in the very beginning of the Bible, God's talking to Adam and Eve, and he says to Adam and Eve, if you eat from this tree, you're going to die. And then Satan comes in and tempts them, and then they end up sinning. Well, after they sinned, sin just went all through God's creation and, and really influenced and infected all parts of God's creation, including our human nature. So all of us are born with the sinful nature because of Adam and Eve's sin. We all have original sin. Well, one of the consequences of original sin is that we will get sick and we will all die. That is going to happen to all of us. Now here's the good news. Jesus came to earth who knew no sin. He suffered. He was punished. He was killed. He, was, he took the payment for our sins. And then he, three days later, rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. So he, he overcame sin and death. So for every Christian who trusts in Jesus... We will die, but then we will go to be with the Lord and we will live forever. But sin, sickness, disease, it is an effect of the fall. But God in His kindness at times likes to reverse that effect. He, he, he rolls it back so that we can see His power. So when Jesus came to earth, He said, the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. And what, what happened? He began to heal people. He began to heal a whole bunch of people. So there were blind people that couldn't just touch them, prays for them, healed. There were people that were paralyzed that could not walk. Jesus heals them. There were people with leprosy that had this terrible skin disease that were in complete pain, that were outcasts of their society. Jesus touches them and they're healed. And it just showed that, that God's power God's kingdom was on display. It was affirming the message that Jesus taught. Now, some people might say that, well, maybe that was just for Jesus and the twelve apostles, and then it ceased. But that's not what the Bible says. Because if you read through the book of Acts, there's lots of incredible miracles happening. But then, if you keep reading through the Bible, you come to the book of James. And James says something that that he's not talking about apostles, and he's not talking about Jesus. Listen to James chapter 5, verse 13. He's saying this to anyone who's sick, anyone who is suffering. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, 
and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So James is saying, if you're sick, call for the pastors to pray for you. But he's also saying, pray for one another. And he's giving us an Old Testament example of Elijah. He prayed, and it literally stopped raining for three years. And he prayed again, and it started raining. His point is, you're no different than Elijah. Because you have the same God that Elijah has. And so if you pray to God, God will answer your prayers. He will pour out the gift of healing. I know this is a hard one because all of us know people that have not been healed. And so it's, it's challenging to wrestle through. But let me just talk this through a little bit with you guys. I'm a dad. I have three children. And, and I want them to ask me for things. And, I, and they ask me for things all the time. And a lot of the times I give things to them. So if they're hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they want soda at 9 o'clock at night, they don't get it. Um, but they know to ask. And as their dad, I'd feel really bad if Isaac, Lily, or Adam said, you know what, I don't want to ask my dad for anything anymore. He doesn't want to give me anything. He's not generous. He's not kind. Well, when it comes to the gift of healing, God just tells us to ask. And we need to trust Him and what He deems best. We don't know if He's going to heal or if He's not going to heal. It's up to Him, but He tells us to ask. And we can be certain that He is powerful and He is able. So we want to err on the side of asking God to heal. So if you're sick, ask people to pray for you. Ask God Himself to heal you. If if you want us to pray for you, we, we want to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. But this is a challenging subject. And, and when I announced it, you might have thought, well, it's not that challenging. I think it is a challenging subject for those of us who have prayed for people and have watched them die and, and have seen the Lord not answer that prayer. Well, that, that makes this subject difficult. And... And so I want to encourage us as a church, we, we want to ask, we want to pray, and then we have to trust the Lord. We have to trust our Father who knows best. I'll just give a brief example of how this played out in, in my own life in the past few months. Um, in December, this past December, I have a grandmother who I love to death who was in her 80s. She was dying um, in November and December. So she was on hospice. She hadn't eaten food for three weeks. Uh, for a few days, she couldn't drink a sip of water. So she was dying, and she knew the Lord. And so went out and read the Bible to her and got to talk to her about Jesus and what was awaiting her. And she was excited to be with the Lord, but she was weak. She couldn't move. 
Um, the nurses, the visiting nurses said, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen in hours or days, but it's definitely going to happen. We've never seen anybody this ready um, to die. So keep that picture in your mind. My grandmother, who I love, is dying. Well, the months went on a little bit. And so she was on hospice, and December turned to January, January turned to February. My grandmother is regaining strength and beginning to eat food, and, and, and her health is being restored. Well, at the same time, my mom in February gets the flu, and she thinks it's the flu, and uh, so she goes to the hospital because she's dehydrated, and she died the next day. And, and those two situations were, were running in my mind at the same time. And, and I prayed for my mom to be healed. Um, it happened quickly. It happened suddenly. And so I'm driving to the hospital from Indiana. I'm praying, praying in tongues at times in my car, asking the Lord to heal my mom. And I get to the hospital. My mom has passed away. And it, it's in those moments that, what do we do with the book of James? Well, I think we keep asking. We keep praying. And we say, Lord, we, we trust you. I feel like the Lord gave me peace that, Lord, I, I trust you. I'm sad. I miss my mom. But I trust that the Lord is good. And he's jealous for our affection, our trust. So it hurts it stings. But the Lord knows best. He is sovereign. He is gracious. But He is powerful. So at my mom's funeral, my grandmother is there in the front row feeling great. And my grandmother is no longer in hospice. The Lord healed her. She's still in her 80s, so she's frail, but she's feisty as ever. She's going shopping. She's sending cards to my kids. And the Lord gave her health back. I don't understand why my mom passed away and my grandmother is alive, but I'm grateful for my grandmother's health. But the point is, we got to trust Him. These things are hard. But just because the Lord hasn't answered some of our prayers, doesn't mean He doesn't want to heal people. And so as a church, we want to pray for each other. And we really believe God can heal and desires to heal as just a response to His care and His love. So let's in, I want to encourage us as a church to, someone tells you, hey, I'm sick, or my body just aches terribly. Just take an opportunity to say, can I pray for you? And there can be faith that the Lord really can answer those prayers. You and I are no different than Elijah. And God tells us to pray. And He's going to give us this gift of healing that happens. And when there are times where he does not answer those prayers, he says, Lord, I trust you. You are good and you are faithful. I don't understand, but I trust you. Because you're my Father and you know best. So that is the gift of healing. And we want to encourage that gift. And we want to see that gift poured out more and more in our church. Well, the last gift that we're going to talk about, and the reason I save it to the last is because Paul specifically says this is the gift we should earnestly desire because it builds up the church. And this is the gift of prophecy. So the Holy Spirit continues to speak today through the gift of prophecy. So prophecy 
is simply, Sam Storm says, which I agree with, is the speaking forth in merely human words of something God has spontaneously brought to mind. So it's speaking forth something in human words that God has brought to mind. So we believe God speaks that way through the gift of prophecy. But let me build one big massive fence. God primarily speaks through this book. This is God's Word. This is where all authority from God comes from. So this is the standard for testing any sort of prophecy. So if someone says, the Lord spoke to me that um, there are five persons in the Godhead, not three. There's no longer Trinity. There's whatever that would be. There are five. Well, we don't have to think, oh, I, I never knew that. I never knew that. No, we just say, you know what? The Bible doesn't teach that, so you heard wrong. Something happened on the, the reception end. I don't think it was the Lord who was speaking to you. And we can confidently say that because this is God's Word. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, that you may speak something that God's Spirit stirs you. And the reason he says to earnestly desire it is because, in verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding or their edification and encouragement and consolation. So prophecy has this effect of strengthening and encouraging our faith. And so God loves to do that. And so as a church, we believe in that. If you wonder at times, what, what happens when different people come up to this microphone? Well, at times, what happens is people share a prophecy. They share something that God's Spirit stirs them. At, at times, they might share a Bible verse. They just feel like God brought to mind or an exhortation. But we want to be open to God's Spirit stirring people. And let me just give an example of how how maybe this played out in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, 1-3, it says, Now they were in the church in Antioch. There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, Lucius of Cyrene, and a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, the Apostle Paul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So God's Spirit spoke, and He spoke specifically to a group about Barnabas and Paul. And He said, set, set them apart. They're going to go on a missionary journey. They're going to go on many and watch the Lord work. Well, if that was all that was happening, let's say Paul didn't, wasn't a pastor, wasn't an apostle, Paul, let's say, was just a fisherman and had no desire to preach or teach and didn't meet the character qualifications or the gifting qualifications, well, then that prophecy would be very unhelpful because Paul would be like, hey, I just like fishing. I'm not going to on this missionary journey. It was just one thing that the Lord used to encourage something that probably Paul and Barnabas had already been thinking about, praying about, had a strong desire for, um, already had gifts that were on display for public use that people could see. So when, when the Holy Spirit stirred them, set these two guys apart, it was just confirming what was probably obvious to many people. But it built their faith so when opposition came or persecution came, they could go back, oh no, the Lord 
set us apart for that. And it encouraged them. And so the gift of prophecy is meant to strengthen us and help us. And at times, it could be just something, a thought that the Lord gives someone that just encourages and strengthens another person because they know, okay, the Lord heard my prayers. He knows my situation. Sam Storm says this about the gift of prophecy. He says, Prophetic utterances will edify, build up, exhort, and console. When people are suddenly confronted with the inescapable reality that God truly knows their hearts and has heard their prayers and is intimately acquainted with all their ways, they are encouraged to press on and persevere. I've often spoken with believers who, in spite of what they knew theologically to be true, felt as if God had forgotten them. Their prayers seemed to never be heard, much less answered. Then often, quite without warning, a total stranger gives them a prophetic word that could be known only by God Himself. And their faith is bolstered and their spirits consoled. That's the effect of the gift of prophecy. It strengthens Christians. So we believe in the Bible. We love sound doctrine. We love sound theology that is based on the Bible because it is a gift from God. But we're also grateful for the times where God speaks through the gift of prophecy to strengthen an individual or the church. My friend Brian Parks, who's a member of our church, um, had an experience at our church the first Sunday he came where God spoke directly to him through the gift of prophecy. This was a handful of years ago, and Brian sent this to me in an email um, this morning, just recounting this, this, this account. So I want you just to, to feel the effect, if you were Brian, as you are on the receiving end of this. And you can see there's nothing weird or strange or flashy about this. Brian writes, After months of prayer and discussion, we finally made the decision to visit Lord of Life Church. That was us. It was our first Sunday at the church, and during worship, which I was really enjoying, my high school planetarium teacher went up to the front and began to share an impression he had. He saw a young man in a field on a tractor that had been mowing grass all day the day before. And he said he could picture him there all day praying to God and asking for clarity about a big decision that he was about to make. And he just wasn't sure what to do. And he was wrestling over this decision. Well, Brian writes, I thought this was very, very strange because I felt like he was talking about me because Brian had just spent the day before for the first time he moved to a a new house out in the country and the first time in his life he was driving in a large field on a tractor mowing and praying if his family should come to our church or not because they had grown up in a different church and it was a big decision and he was trying to just seek the Lord on it. So as he's processing this, having no category for the gift of prophecy, he would even say probably at that time he didn't believe in the gift of prophecy. He said it was very peculiar, I can't even say that word, strange to him. And uh, it was very strange to him, but it was very encouraging because he thought the Lord is speaking to me. But he's a little skeptical. So he said the next day or a few days later, he's hanging out with some friends, he says, you know, you know, this happened on Sunday. I'm sure you guys were all out in the field on a tractor too the day before. 
And so we all went around. No, I wasn't on a tractor. Were you on a tractor? I wasn't on a tractor. So then he, he came to conclude, okay, no, that actually was the Lord confirming that he heard my prayers and he was going to guide me. And it was especially encouraging. So that's the gift of prophecy. And we, we want to experience that gift. And if you're not sure if you have that gift, or if you want that gift, Paul says, earnestly desire it. Ask God to give you the gift of prophecy. And so, when he does, how it will work is God brings something to mind, usually very suddenly, for a person, for a situation, for a group of people. And then you just share that. You can say it in a question form. Hey, um, I was thinking about a guy on the field. <laughs> and it may be you. Um, but you share it because it, it brings the nearness of the Lord to them. And it, it builds people up. So this week we have care groups. So care group leaders. So it be a great week to make some time in the meeting to seek the Lord and ask Him for the gift of prophecy and ask Him to stir people, to exhort each other, encourage each other, share scriptures with each other so that we could all be strengthened and encouraged. If you were here last Sunday, Nick, Cur- Nick Carey um, came up to the mic and he shared just a, a prophecy that he felt like there were people that were nervous about the Holy Spirit and particularly these gifts. And the Lord just wanted to encourage us as a church to be open to these gifts. And I talked to Nick this morning and Nick said, you know, this is just something the Lord seems to be doing in his life in the last year or two that he brings things to mind and then he shares them and people are very, very encouraged and built up. Well, that's the effect of the gift of prophecy. And so, these spiritual gifts, they may, they may seem a little strange, but they're real gifts from God that He gives to us because He loves us, because He wants to strengthen us as a church family, because He wants to help us as we seek to reach the lost. And so we want to ask Him and pray with faith. And as we do, don't be surprised as the Lord answers those prayers and helps us. I just want to pray for us as a church, and then Mark's going to come up and lead us in worship. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love to pour out gifts upon us for our good, for our benefit, as an expression of your care. Lord, we pray as as the meeting closes, that you would pour out gifts, that people would experience the gift of physical healing and would experience the blessing of prophecy and would experience the gift of tongues that would strengthen them as individuals. Lord, you love us. And Lord, for anyone who's wrestling through um, these gifts, Lord, I pray you would just help them to wrestle um, through them with your word. And I pray you would guide them and give them peace and, and just calm any fears that, that might be there. And Lord, just help them. And Lord, we just love you and ask this in your name. Amen.